Welcome back in our um, series about God's revelation and uh, today is chapter 2 of the book of Revelation. We saw in the last time in, in chapter 1 how God revealed himself in a vision to Saint John in the island of Patmos and um, this was a comforting revelation like um, his grace was telling us last time that he was Saint John was a prisoner in the island but God opened the heaven for him and showed him how he is in control of everything and now uh, in chapters 2 and 3 there will be seven different messages for the seven churches uh, that will be mentioned and we'll talk about but first there is like a, a structure for all the messages that is kind of similar so what is that structure Sayyid? Yes, God used a certain structure First, he reveals something about himself. And this revelation has to do with the message that he is giving the church. So every time he reveals something about himself, this revelation is, has to do with the message about the church. Then he starts about something positive regarding this church. And actually, this style in, in confrontation is very, very... A positive way when I want to confront some uh, somebody instead of just attacking him I need actually to say what's positive about this person then after this in a very gentle way he confront the church about what is lacking in this church and not only confronting them what's lacking but many many times he offers solution you need to do this and this and this. Watch for this. And then to encourage and to motivate, he gave them a promise at the end about victory. If, if you uh, are victorious, if you overcome, this will be your reward. So actually, parents dealing with children, uh, uh, some school servant dealing with a student, this structure is very, very beautiful uh, to reveal something about God has to do with the message that you want to deliver to your children, then to say something positive about them, gently say what is negative, if there is any, and offer a solution with motivation at the end and a promise to motivate the person to uh, do what's right and to, to be able to overcome what's lacking in his life. Yeah, this is very comforting. Yeah, it shows God as a good father. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start with the first church. That first church is the church of Ephesus. And uh, Ephesus, uh, actually like we heard from His Grace last time as well, in the last episode, that it's one of the more prominent uh, cities of, uh, of nowadays Turkey or back then Asia Minor. So what was that uh, message about? Okay, if we see this structure, what God revealed him about himself here, he said, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And as we said before, holding the stars and walking in the midst means God in control, in control not to oppress us. God does not use the power against us, but to empower us, to encourage us, to motivate us. He wants to be in full union with us. And uh, Ephesus means uh, the loved one. So here actually the message is about uh, love. But the Lord started by encouraging the church 
what's positive? He told them, I know your works. He's in our midst. So he's searching uh, our hearts and our reins. So he knows, I know your work, your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and they are not, and found them liars. And also this person endured. You have preserved it and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Many times in our life, this is our life with Christ. That's how we live. That's how we conduct our life. But then a little bit we drift away, either because of the worries of the world or because of um, some anxieties distract us, make us drift away. That's the confrontation here. Nevertheless, I have this thing against you, that you have left your first love. For example, when we started to be Sunday school servant, we're very, very fervent, and then gradually, gradually became uh, routine. The same happened, uh, you know, for the monastic. Sometimes happened for the clergy, you know. So God wants us all the time to be fervent uh, and, and very zealous. And the solution, he gives three steps. And anyone actually who felt or he feels that his love became not like before, if you follow these three simple steps, the, the, the zeal, of fire, fire, uh, zeal of love and the fire of love will be kindled again. He told them, remember, repent, do. Remember, remember from where did you fall? What is the reason? Is it just uh, preoccupied with the business of the world? Is it some stressor, some anxiety, pleasure of the world, love of money? From where? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Then repent. That's the second step. Repent means like you do you turn, uh, change your mind, renew your mind, return back to me completely. That's repentance. It's exactly like making a U-turn in, in my life. The third, do the first works. Do the first work even if you don't feel the same love in your heart. But when we are faithful in doing the first works, this will rekindle the love of God in our hearts once again. So here God did not leave this church without a solution. He told the illness or the weakness, and he offered the solution. And then he gave them warning. If you don't repent, I will remove your lampstand from its place. So to motivate somebody, you can either give him a promise or you give him a warning. So this is a motivation. If, if I know that my lampstand will be removed, you know, it will motivate me yeah, to do what's right. And after this, again, he encouraged him again in verse 6 when he told him, but this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Uh, and he concluded the message, as you said, in the structure. To him who overcome, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Adam and Eve, when they rebelled against God, they were forbidden to eat from this tree. And a cherubim start to guard the tree of life. But now, when we repent, 
we eat actually from the tree of life. We partake from the body and, and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if this church is called the loved one, and love is a union, uh, the two become one. So the tree of life, God is longing to be united with us, to be one with us, because this is the, the peak of love uh, between uh, two persons, the union uh, to become one together. So it looks like for the Church of Ephesus and uh, most of the other churches, as we're going to see, none of them were perfect. But at the same time, God is treating them like children and telling them, encouraging them to do better. So how does that uh, relate to our relationship with God? God, in the Sermon on the Mountain, he told us, be perfect as your Father in heaven is also perfect. But God also knows very well that none of us uh, can live perfectly and not cherish will be a perfect church. Yeah. Even St. Paul in Philippians chapter uh, 3 and verse 12 said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Mm. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So God wants want us to press uh, toward the goal, to press toward perfection, to forget what's behind and to reach forward. But can anybody claim that I am perfect or this church is perfect? Definitely not. We, we read about the Lord Jesus Christ, a bruised reed, he did not break. A quenching uh, flax, he did not put off. But God actually is encouraging and he wants from us to press forward, to move forward toward the goal, toward perfection. But God knows our weakness, and he knows that no one will be perf absolute perfection is for God only. So it's always good to have a balance, like I'm pushing forward, but I shouldn't fall in guilt if I see myself that I'm like lacking something. Absolutely, right? yes. And uh, there is another verse that repeats every, in every single message, at the end of the message. So what's the significance of that verse? This verse, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Many of us, we hear. But not every one of us actually, when he hears, he responds in the right way. For example, the Lord said the parable of the sower. Everybody heard it, but like the seed, some people work like the stony uh, ground, other people like the road, other people like the uh, ground full of thorns, and other people like the good ground. So God tells us how you hear how you listen. Now I'm sending you a message. How are you going to listen to this message? God expecting from us to be, if we are good hearer, to hear him, to understand the message, to keep it in our hearts, and to apply it in our life. 
That's what a good listener will do. Hear, understand, keep, apply in his life. So after his message, he's saying, I'm not just babbling. No, I'm sending you a message to listen to it carefully, to understand it, to keep it in your heart, reflect on it, and to apply it in your life. So of course it's very important to remember this because when, when a verse repeats many times in the Bible, uh, there is always uh, something uh, specific about it, something important about it for us to uh, pay attention to it. So let's move on to the next church. The next church is the church of Smyrna. This church has something different from the other churches. Uh, say. Yes. This church, God has nothing against it. Although, as we said, there is no perfect church. But here God, in his uh, love, sometimes he turns a blind eye to our weaknesses to encourage us and to motivate us. Smyrna actually uh, means bitterness. And, and this church actually is the persecuted church. The church that carried her cross joyfully and followed in the footsteps of our Savior. That's why God here, how he described it himself. He said, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Mm. So if you are persecuted, even if you are martyred, even if you are killed, don't worry, there is resurrection. Me, myself, I was dead and now no. I, I am alive. And he spoke about uh, their persecution. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation, 10 days, etc. So here, any person carrying a cross mm. joyfully uh, and um, getting his strength from the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the promise is very beautiful. He told him, I will give you the crown of life. You will be raised, the resurrection. You will live. They don't have authority except our body, but they don't have authority over our spirit. And even the, the last promise when he said, he who has ear to hear, let him hear. He said, he who overcomes shall not be heard by the second death. So not only I will be raised from the physical death into resurrection, but the second death with eternal condemnation will not hurt people who carried their cross joyfully. This is the church of Smyrna, the persecuted church. So um, as, as we just heard, the church of Smyrna was very special. God didn't mention anything that was lacking in that church, although there was probably things that were lacking, but because they were carrying their cross. So I think we're out of time for this episode. We talked about Ephesus and Smyrna. Thank you for watching, and we will continue next time with the other two churches in chapter 2.